0: It's so good to see everybody here. My name is Antromika Knight, and I have the pleasure of welcoming you to River City this morning. Um, Here at River City, we start our service by reading from the lectionary. Um, It's typically a psalm, um, but it's a way to connect to the global church. Um, We all are God's bride, and the psalm is a way in which we can connect with other people who are having services today this week's psalm is from 119 and it says blessed are those whose way is blameless who walk in the law of the lord blessed are those who keep his testimonies who seek him with their whole heart who also do no wrong but walk in his ways you have commanded your precepts to keep diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. If we can bow our heads in prayer. Lord, we pray we serve you with an upright heart, Father God. We pray this Sunday as we welcome the group leaders, as we welcome our visitors, as we connect in community, Father God, that our hearts reflect you, that we continue to turn and point people to the gospel, to your sovereign nation, na- nature, Father God. We thank you that you are good and that you are holy and you are a father that loves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: prayers of the people is it allows us to partner with our neighbors and with the churches and with the nations and with the believers but all of this morning I just sensed and I felt like the Lord really wanted to hone in on our body that some of you while this song is being played the weight that you're feeling feels really really heavy Part of that last song that we were singing and even the words that Mariah spoke, there is a risk in singing the song before you see the fruit of the song. And so what I'm about to ask does indeed involve a risk. And I don't belittle that, but if you are someone who is sitting there who is feeling burdened and weighty and heavy, and you would like to partner with somebody else whose footing feels a lot more solid right now, would you be brave enough to raise your hand that we as the body, would be able to partner with your prayers, would be able to partner with carrying your burdens and presenting them to the cross, which is the only rightful place for our burdens to ever be. That they may be covered in the blood of Jesus. But some mornings we just need a little bit of help. And that is okay, so if you are tired, physically, spiritually, emotionally, if you're burdened by the surroundings of your world right now, and if you could use the hand and the support and the prayers of somebody else around you, would you raise your hand? And if you... If you could look around and if you would be willing to move to somebody, thank you for your bravery, thank you for your vulnerability, thank you for your honesty. tell us that the Holy Spirit is interceding on our behalf so that even when we don't have the words or know the prayers to pray, you tell us that the Holy Spirit is interceding on our behalf. And so we join in with what you are already doing in the Trinity, and we join in with our brothers and sisters in Christ. May their faith be encouraged. May their burdens be lightened. May there be an exchange of yokes. May we give up the heavy yoke. And may we take on a yoke that is light and easy. May we know that your heart towards us is gentle and humble and loving and kind. May there be a generous outpouring of your love of us who have the gift of being in a moment of a little bit more assurance and confidence and seeing a little more clearly, would we believe for the other? May we freely give to the other. You are a God of the details. You have not missed anything in any of our hearts You respond to the burden with compassion and not judgment. You respond with the heaviness, with an ease of hand of removing it, not of shame and condemnation. May truth be the thing that rings louder than the voice of the enemy. prayers of the people of River City Church be one that we can say holy and worthy is the Lamb of God who is faithful may the prayers of River City Church at this community be one that says I know that God is sitting on the throne God, we just lift our burdens. We lift the crevices and the parts of our heart that feel dark and unseen and unheard. The weight feels unimaginable, like we cannot carry it any further. May we be willing to lay it at the foot of the cross, taking with full assurance and confidence, knowing that you have not overlooked that nothing goes unseen. in the love of a father. May we have confidence that our king is above every other king. That we would be reminded that our battle is not with flesh and blood. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come.
2: we're going to jump right in. Uh, It's a different day. We're going to do meet and greet at the end because we're doing groups Sunday. And I am going to speak and preach on this a bit because it's important, right? So far, if you've been with us in the last three weeks, we've talked about a couple things. The body of Christ typically isn't super good at, but we're asking and we're hoping that we can become a body that becomes better at them. We don't want to be just the body that labels how bad other bodies are at stuff. I think the world is done with that version of Christianity. Being able to say to others what they're doing wrong, without embodying what needs to be brought to the surface in ourselves. And that's why we talked about confession and the idea of confession and not just speaking truth to power, but speaking truth to the powers in your own life. Being someone that embodies this kind of confession so that our children learn, if I have made a mistake, it's a good thing to own it because there's redemption in that. And especially in Christ, we believe that at the table of the Lord and at the cross, when we have developed a a culture of confession, and even a lifestyle of it, there's redemption that comes. So it's not something we want to avoid. It's a a gift. So we want to be the body that learns how to step more into this, and it's hard to do. Last week we talked about what true worship is and Sabbath, and one of the passages, one of the most distinct, you-can't-avoid-it passages I've read in a long time, talked about how if you gather together in worship, and, and this community would gather in Isaiah 58, and they would do all the worship really well, they would offer their prayers, but then the prophet was charged to tell them, but you actually don't go outside of that group and love others, so it wasn't actually worship. So the, the statement made last week was, you can come passionately worship within the body, but if it doesn't spill out into your life, it wasn't actually worship, no matter if you felt it or not. True worship is in here and out there. There's no distinction between the two. And then the end of that passage talked about Sabbath and how we are not good at Sabbath. We do not know how to stop and pause in a culture of hurry. Our number one fear or worry should be, and we shouldn't fear or worry, is that we will never stop because that's what the war is against, is the idea in our culture that you have to always strive. So around 52 days a year is how many biblically we see in Genesis being offered. And Jesus even practices Sabbath that we are supposed to pause and be with our King, our Savior, to be refreshed and renewed 52 days a year, 52 days a year. It's awesome. So this week, we're going to make it uncomfortable again, hopefully. We're going to talk about Group Sunday, but really about community and about stepping into community. And so I just want to give do where it is needed, and that's the website we've been talking about and the ministry, Practicing the Way which has this basic concept of three things that we're gonna build out our year on. We really like the idea because it helps lead people into a path of discipleship. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what Jesus did. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. So today, as we start, I'm gonna ask you, here's first what I hear. So there's quite a few new people here. One of the first things I hear about River City, actually, the two biggest things I ever hear about River City is one, there's a lot of vulnerability like in your body. So much so that people, if they're not interested in vulnerability, they're usually gone within one service. And also, it seems like a really friendly body. It's a body that is kind and welcoming. And I love this about us, but this could become a replacement for what that leads to, which is community together. So that's a beautiful thing. We we don't not want it, but that leads to a space where we become face-to-face with one another Spend time together in true community. So today I'm going to open with a prayer. And I just want you to close your eyes for a moment. And I'm going to, I'm going to offer and ask that you come with the posture of honesty within yourself. There's no indictment coming. There's no judge here to, equip, or to make you pay the penalty. There is only you in this presence trying to be honest about where you're at so that you can maybe get somewhere with it. And if it's a wall that you hit, that's a good thing to start looking at. So the question is this, where are you with being involved in true community? I'm not asking if you attend a church. I'm not asking if you have a Facebook account, an Instagram account, a TikTok account, a TalkTick account, a MySpace account. Yes, parents. I'm not asking that. I'm asking where are you when it comes to being known by people that are in the area you live in? Where are you at with how uncomfortable is it to sit in front of someone in front of someone and talk about what's going on? What is your honest posture? What's really there? Okay, can open your eyes. A couple things before I, I jump into Matthew four. We live in a culture that is actually a quote from Tokarol in 1831 that said. Radical individualism is the defining trait of American culture. 1831, we're not there anymore. Somewhere around 50 years ago, people believed more in gathering, but now, in relation to 50 years ago, about half the amount of people are willing to gather together with other people in churches, but not just churches. Any group or community that requires commitment, people run from. Actually, that word, commitment, just for many of you, made you feel very uncomfortable. Commitment. People run from the idea of being locked in together. It's why church shopping is such a large thing. It's why people move on from spouses so easily, because no one wants to be committed and locked into a specific thing. Because of some of these things happening in our culture... Around 35% of people say they are deeply lonely in America, deeply lonely, and around 20% of the people in America say that they have zero confidants. That means that there is literally not one person that they can call if something terrible happens, around 20% of people. The outcome of this is loneliness. Loneliness produces a couple things, and I'm going to bring up a slide that talks about an, an interesting concept that I think is very important. And you can pull up the tribalism versus community slide. So, loneliness leads to one of two places. It leads to either community, which is the idea of mutual loves, or things we're for together, generosity, honor, celebration, creating space for time to be with. Tribalism is built around mutual hate, kill or be killed, battle for resources, Tribalism is very common, sadly, in churches, because it is actually easier to gather around mutual hates than mutual loves. So election season's coming soon, and this is actually, tribalism is actually one of the tactics most used in elections. You can hear it in like campaign ads, like, Bill Pinto says he's about community, <laughs> but is he? And it'll like show a picture of him like, Watching Netflix for 100 hours. <laughs> I just did that on the spot. I'm so sorry. I'm not saying it's true, right? Like, it's, it's how, and the reason they do that is because it works. It works to build around tribalism. I actually came up with this last night, and I'm not smart enough to come up with this, so maybe it was God that led me. But gossip is the language of tribalism. And gossip is the idea that we're finding a home in our angers, our resentments, and our woundedness. So gossip is a sign in us. It's easy to look at someone in us that we've kind of fallen trapped to tribalism or the idea that it's also that the idea that I'm maybe not worthy of actual true community. So the best secondary thing that I could get would be tribalism and everybody is involved in this. Nobody is exempt from this. Churches are really good at it. There was a sign a couple years ago that said, we're not like any of those other churches. Just that right there. I was like, I'm not even finishing what you wrote on that because all churches are good in different ways, right? The idea here is community is pushing past those things into mutual loves. What are we for? In fact, if the body of Christ could get to that spot and start to be good at talking through that, Many more people would want what we have. Many of us are running from the versions of Christianity that was very good at talking about the things we were against. And people are still running from that. So we want to be a people that learn how to let these things grow. Psalm 68, 6, one of our favorite passages in our house is, God settles the solitary into a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in parched land. So he settles the solitary. In some versions, it says he places the lonely in families, right? It's a different concept. So today, I want, to, I want you to pull open uh, Matthew 4, 18 through 20. We talked about this about a month and a week ago when we started to try and introduce Be With Jesus. This is a really simple passage. I'm going to read it to you. You've all heard it, and most of you've heard it. You can pull it up. Matthew 4, 18 through 20. Not in there. Uh, does anybody have a Bible on them today? You have Matthew 4 18 through 20. Can you read in your John Wesley voice? It's happening. Don't hide under a bushel, Nancy. This is the deal right here. Right, so this is Jesus's introduction to building a group of disciples to travel with him. And you learn very quickly as you walk through these passages that Jesus intends to do this in community, daily. You learn quickly that for growth to happen, there's no like, come over here, Peter, go do this, come see us in a year and a half, and we pass back through Galilee. For growth and discipleship to happen, it cannot happen out of this context. So you learn this quickly as you see his three years of ministry. And then after that, the the, the Acts Church is formed. It's all about community, Acts 2, 42 through 47. We've read this. It's built around this living in love concept. This is them meeting together daily, breaking bread in homes, still going to the temple, doing religious things, praying for one another, sharing what they had as anyone had a need. So you see very quickly with Jesus that community is extremely important. There's four simple things extracted from Jesus' life, and these are important for us today. One, he lived in community. Everybody say that. He lived in Two, call to him is simultaneously a call to community. There's no version of loving Jesus and not loving the body. There's just healing that needs to happen in that. There's just healing that needs to happen, right? We all have churches we can point to and say, this is how they're bad. There's just healing that needs to happen, right? We are the body of Christ. Number three, many turn him down, and he does not shame them for doing it. He doesn't use a tactic about the introduction to the gospel and the welcome to then shame people for not selecting it. He does not work like that. That is not him. No matter how good your plan of evangelism might be, if it involves shaming someone that has no idea who they are in Christ already, it's not from him anyway. Number four, those who said yes are at very different stages in maturity. He was not interested in gathering only the mature. That would be silly. So he gathered multitudes of different kinds of people. In fact, he gathered people who were literally enemies and made them sit in the same room. So to Jesus, the defining factor wasn't what's your political status, what's your socioeconomical status, what's your tax bracket, what's your education level. These were secondary things, which made the primary thing the table of the Lord or what he would do, which is Jesus, right? We like to say that what we believe is very central to what we believe in the faith is the Apostles' Creed, the confession of faith, that this is what we gather around. It has to be the primary. And when it becomes the primary, if that's the primary, the secondary thing, this is the neatest thing that happens in Christianity to me, that most of us feel very uncomfortable with. If the primary is the primary then the secondaries can vary and you have people together that are extremely different. That without Jesus could not even manage conversations because of the differences, because of tribalism, because of personal preference, because of how I perceive that the Spirit's going to move might be different than you. When Jesus' followers are together, you don't get to decide who's in the room, Jesus does. Come and follow me. And they were very different right? There could have literally been lives taken by the people that he gathered around, enemies of one another, enemies of Jesus. And so for us, as we move into community, for Jesus, this was... So this is... I believe the kingdom of God and the community of Jesus are the same thing. Like we want to pray about the kingdom of God hopefully coming one day. The kingdom of God is here. It's present in this room. Because the Holy Spirit lives within the temple, and the temple is the collection, the ecclesia. It's not just one of you. And if you read it that way, you've already stepped into individualism, and it wasn't meant for that. It's the body of Christ. That's why many of us do different things, and many of us are skilled to do what these guys did, and many of us should never, ever, ever come up here and do that. Like Literally, no matter what anybody told you, you should not come up here. You need the body to remind you that, right? So so if the drive wasn't specific interest, if it's going to be Jesus, and Jesus offers to all and invites all, one of my favorite words, actually, is koinonia. Were you able to get this? We actually thought of naming our church koinonia, which then I was like, nobody, that doesn't even make sense to anybody that doesn't read and go through seminary. Like, koinonia is fellowship, sharing, participation, contribution, koinonia church. Was it Justin that was like, we really got to name our church this? Where's Boggs at? Was it you? No? Cool. Okay. We'll move on. (laughs) Community. One, a group of... This is Webster's. A group of people living in the same place or a particular area, characteristic in common, a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. Community. Community cannot just be had by coming to church twice a month. It can't be had by coming to church four times a month. Community is a way of life where the body grows together, where someone becomes aware of what's happening in your life. We're horrified of this, where someone knows where you're broken, where someone knows where you have strengths. Community is the grounds for that. There's a couple things I want to share that you need to be aware of. We mistake community for two things, connectivity. Connectivity is not community. There's actually studies and results. Jordan talked a little bit about this a few weeks ago. The people who are connected on Facebook, which is everyone or TikTok or whatever, Instagram or any of it, Marco Polo even, these communities are producing more connections than we've ever had, but it's also producing more loneliness than we've ever seen. So more interaction, more loneliness. So connectivity does not equal community. The second thing, and this one is to me one that lands deeply and that is chemistry is not community so chemistry is the idea that when you meet someone there's just like yes yes like I, I have a friend who lives in california we talk once a week we it's easy we both love athletics we talk nba trades we talk baseball trades we we both love theology we talk through what's happening in the spiritual world, what's happening in the ecclesial world. We talk through all of these things. It's easy. We actually have said before, it feels like we have the same blood. He lives in California. He lives on the other side of the world. So our chemistry is good. Don't hear me saying, you don't need friends like that. I need that friend. I need that friend. It's not the same as community. Community are the people that you are in life with. And those people, you're not going to have chemistry with everyone. In fact, if you're at a church where everyone has chemistry with everyone, you're in heaven and you're not, you're not even listening to this sermon. Like right, right now, you have transported back to earth. It's not even real. Can you, can you bring up this next quote by Sherry Turkill? Face-to-face conversation is the most human and humanizing thing we do. Fully present to one another, we learn to listen It's where we develop the capacity for empathy. It's where we experience the joy of being heard and being understood. It is irreplaceable. It's the cause for much of our loneliness. It's why so many of us feel depressed because we deeply despise some of these spaces. We're afraid of face-to-face. And that's such a shocking and awful thing, but because we want to be known so deeply, but we know what's at risk when we are. To be known means somebody can call you to the carpet when you do the thing that's harmful to them. To be known means I'm vulnerable to to hearing what you have to say about how I've behaved. That's the kind of thing we want but are scared of. So we have to be a community that learns how to do this, not to become the church that finally does it right. Just start practicing this make steps into that direction. There's three big reasons why people don't choose to step into community, and I'm going to wrap this up in a second. Number one, individualism. We rely primarily on ourselves. We must create a culture that helps step back into relationships, accountability, and commitment. And there's there's a few of you in here that are like, "We're not. I'm not individual. I'm not that at all." They are. That's 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 the that's the language. individualism. It's not me, it's them. Individualism is is something we cannot avoid. We've heard it since we were babies. Schools teach us. Walk down the halls of my kid's school, which is a great school, even the five points are about them becoming the best versions of themselves, which isn't a bad thing in itself, but it doesn't talk about what we do in community. It doesn't talk about the togetherness that we all need. Individualism is a huge hindrance And you can tell when someone steps into community, this is how you know individualism is huge. When someone steps into a group, when you finally are like, all right, I'm going to do what he said, I'm going to get in a group, we're going to talk about our feelings maybe, oh, this is dumb. And a person makes the group all about themselves, how that makes everyone feel. If you're in a group and someone dominates the group the whole time, how much we love that, right? That's part of what happens though. We have to make space for that because they have to learn and we have to learn. Number two is idealism. This is the one I most connect with. Idealism is what we place upon the community. Every one of us does this. We also do it in marriage. But idealism is the idea that if we can just get this, if we can just find Christianity that's doing it like this, if we could just do this. There's a quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer I want to read you. It's pretty long. The sooner the shock of delusion meant, that is... It will be easy and people will be perfect, comes to an individual and into a community, the better for the both. Every human wish, dream that is injected to the Christian community is a hindrance to genuine community and must be banished if genuine community is to survive. He who loves the dream of community more than the community itself becomes the destroyer of the latter, even though his intentions may be honest and sacrificial. We know we've stepped into this when we're around communities and we instantly know what they need to do. None of us are exempt from this. I've actually built ministries out of this. I actually would, I would probably bet a lot of money, I don't have a lot of money, but I would bet, y'all, I'd bet your money that over half the churches planted in the world today are actually built around idealism, are actually a burden of... An idea that they think is better than the wrong idea. And what happens is a lot of church plants fail because that church doesn't exist, and you don't get to go form select every person that's going to come to your church, and that's a good thing. So the reality that we have to step away from this idealistic, this is what it's got to be for it to be for me, this is what community has to look like, we all have to like grow our own food, and all of our worship songs have to be written that day together? And all of the scriptures have to be in the original King James. Not even original, but don't let me go there. All of these things hinder us from saying, God, I'm present with the body you've put me in, and I'll be available in this body. And what does it look like to be with people who we feel like are hindering us from true worship? And what does it look like to be with people who aren't developed in understanding the core tenets of the gospel It'd be great to have a church where all of you were evangelists that studied in seminary and all of you have practiced at worship school or Bethel School of Ministry and that would just be fun because we could build a massive thing because we all know what we're doing. That's not the body of Christ. The body of Christ should have people in the room that have no idea what's going on and are still in, kind of figuring out, do I even want what's going on? That should be what it looks like because maturity levels need to vary and the mature need to see the immature and not say, this is a bad place, but say, I'm going to walk with this brother or sister. This is the body of Christ. The last thing is I think one that many of you would struggle with. It typically has not been one for me intimidation. We are scared of it. But I get that that's a real real thing, right? Like to be known, to have to to be laid bare is it's risky, right? And to just show up once a week, we can put our best faces on. It's like when you start dating the person you eventually marry, the version of you in that first year is like this unrealistic, never going to last version that your teeth are always brushed, like all of it, right? Like that, that doesn't last, it doesn't exist. And so a couple years into marriage, you realize that we all have the same bodily functions, like pretty similar, We are all humans, right? She's pretty, but she's a human, right? He's super attractive, but he's a human. You know, That's what I hear at my house all the time. In fact, actually, if you're just waiting to hear that at your house after you're married, it's never going to happen again. So I get why we're scared of it. And I wish marriages started three years into marriage. Actually, Nancy taught, like, after 20 years of marriage, what you have to really do is realize this is a new person you're with, and this new person is who you're married to now. Because we're just dying to self that long. And that has to happen in Christian community. This idea that we have that this is going to be the Romeo of my Christian dreams, and it's going to take me away to that like, special place. This is not that. This body smells and is beautiful. This body is gifted and is broken. This body has people who say the wrong thing at the wrong time, and people who are polished. This body has doctors and people who are not doctors. <laughs> All of it. Does that make sense? So what I'm asking for, and Jessica, you can go and come up, is this year, again, let's make a step. And for those of you who have already figured out, you know your version of Christianity and it's good. And, and this is nothing against anyone who is older than 42, But as we get older, we become more set in what we think. And many of the generation before me weren't shown this kind of community. I'm just asking you, for the sake of the youngers who thrive in this, they need you in in these kind of communities. They need you in the awkward spaces, weekly, going on the trips that they just randomly decided to do last night. And invite us all on, because none of us have kids, right? We can do whatever we want. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right. Um, so here's here's what I'm gonna say. We're gonna we're gonna go back and forth. You're gonna share for a moment, and then we're gonna answer some questions. So go ahead.
3: Yep. So the first thing that I wanna say about Group Sunday, actually, I should probably say that my name is Jessica, and that you guys don't usually see me because I'm down with the kids. So if you don't know me, because there's, there's a lot of new faces, new people that I don't know up here, but so I'm Jessica Harvey, and I do elementary kids, but I also help with groups. Um, but so one of the biggest things that we see throughout the Bible is Jesus is constantly going away for silence and solitude. But then he immediately is re-entering into community and being with people and with disciples and sharing his heart and teaching. And that's what we desire for our body as well. We need that time to pull away, to rest to be alone in silence and solitude and hear from from God, then. But we also need time in community to pour into each other, to share life, to teach each other, to grow with one another. And so that's what our um, calendar is is based on. We try to follow the the Christian calendar with that. And there's a little thing on the back of your brochure that kind of explains a little bit more of that so that's why we start group season and then we take a break and then we go back into group season so group season is about to start again in a week and um, our challenge for the body is to fully engage in both of those times to fully engage in the rest season and to fully engage and be present during community and during group season
2: so we wanted to answer one question and that is what typically is our personal roadblock to these kinds of groups. And so I'll start and just express that for me, what I put upon a group when I'm going into it or not wanting to go into it is I typically have a hard time if I'm not leading a group. And that makes sense because I'm the pastor of a church, but I also have a lot of prejudgments about how things should be done that a lot of times aren't actually real. And so because of my training or whatever, or because I've done things when I enter a group where it's, just normal people that haven't done that, I do this thing where I'm like quietly evaluating, should I be listening to this person? Is this okay if I'm just this honest? It's not, it's not a holy thing. It's not a helpful thing. And the only season I've, I've been able to practice it was when we decided to plant a church. We went to Riverstone Church, and they required that you are a part of ministries um, to plant a church. And I had to join the prayer ministry, which was a great group at that church, And I had to be led by people who were years younger than me. And of course, I was sitting there like, I should be leading this group. I should not have been leading the group. And I learned so much. And my pride was keeping me from that because I had so many preconceived things that were requirements if I was going to be a part of something, right? That's always hard for me. That's something that I have to practice more. So what for you, Jessica, is something that you feel like is a possible hindrance to getting in?
3: I think for us from our family especially, is just busyness. Busyness is something that is so hard. It's it's hard to commit and make that time to be in groups when we have kids who have winter garden, we have people who are running cross-country, and we have babies who are needing our attention, and we've worked long days and coming home and just want to be together and not want to go be in a group somewhere. Um, so busyness is a thing that I think that we personally struggle with, but a lot of people struggle with that too. And it's something that we find if we make that time, it changes the rest of the week. Um, and it, it makes it better. So I know many of you felt
2: like you can relate to what she was saying because you also have kids. But I just want to highlight the amount of kids that they have. So how many kids <laughs> do you have? We have nine. So that's different, right? Like, that's a lot. <laughs> It's a lot of juggling, yes. There's a lot
3: of juggling that happens. You're taking who, where, when? Okay. (laughs) Yes. That
2: that was intended to produce shame in you.
3: (laughs) No, that was not.
2: (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. It was not. Just reality. All right, so um, do you want to present the groups now and then a little time of prayer? Yes.
3: So all of you guys have a brochure. Um, On the very back is... Um, a quick how to connect with groups, which Bill is gonna walk us through. And I realized that there are comma errors back there. Yes, I did leave out commas. I'm sorry, that was the last section and I <laughs> forgot to proofread it, so please forgive me. Um, so if you go to our webpage, um, rivercitysmyrna.com, you will see this, and you'll go to the um, connect, and then you'll click on groups. And then on this Groups page, you can click um, on the Explore Our Groups, which Bill's showing you on the screens. And then this brings you to our pages that have the groups in different sections. And any of those sections that you click on will take you to the individual groups that are there. Um, So I'm going to... He's just showing you guys the different selections of groups there? If you'll go back to life groups, thanks. Okay, so first of all, in life groups, um, you have the Harveys, which is my husband and I, Shane. Um, I'm going to let him share kind of what our group is about.
4: Our group is for people who like to play bass. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are going to kill it. Else You're going to kill too. it. It's going to be good. It's going to be great. Um. No, we decided for this season, um, there's a lot of folks in our group who have a heart for unplugged worship, authentic worship circle type stuff, which also leads into intercession. So we're going to focus this season on what does it mean and what does it look like to do worship in a small group without jumping on stage like David would do, um, without being plugged in without having necessarily words that, uh, what, what is to listen more from what the Lord is saying in the moment and how that impacts what he may be saying in intercession for your community, for the families. Um, and then just really digging in with each other. We're gonna do check-ins every week and pray for each other. And uh, it is out in what Josh likes to call Samaria out <laughs> in West Cobb, <laughs> but anybody is welcome. If people with nine kids can make it, people with less than nine kids can make it. And you're welcome.
3: All right. Next, we have the Rondazos and the Beavers. So if you guys want to share.
5: Great. So our group is for people who may only have two kids and don't know how they're going to make it. So <laughs> you're also welcome here. Um, so we meet on Tuesdays. Uh, at seven, we are. The context is community, so it's relational. We want to practice doing life together, but we're also going to um, actually practice some of the practices. So it's it's also formationally focused. Um, we're going to be going through a lot of what Josh has been talking about, the practicing the way stuff. There's a 12 part video series that we're going to walk through each week. Um, we really want to focus on vulnerability and openness. Um, trusting God more than trusting ourselves. Um, and I think that's it. Am I missing anything? So the Beavers are leading with us this year, which we're really excited about. Um, and so you can come and find us or the Beavers to ask for more.
3: Great. Thank you. And then we have the Stavineses. Is Eric or Jamie here? Okay. Um, their group meets every other week. So if you're looking for a little bit less, that could be a good option. Um, and they do focus on prayer encouragement and a little bit of um, going through the scriptures using Lexio Divino. And then we have um, John and Robin Zerker. They're not here. They're actually out of town. And so Nate and Bethany, where are you guys? Okay, they're going to share.
6: Hey guys, so our group is kind of for anybody who's wanting to know others in the body and be known by others. um, Vulnerability is like a huge staple in our group. Our weekly structure, we meet Wednesdays at seven seven o'clock. There is childcare with our group and we kind of have three different sections of the evening. One is where we might review a scripture together. We might watch a video together and kind of just share our thoughts, challenge one another in a safe space. Um, We also practice a kind of condensed version of a weekly exam sharing our joy, junk, and Jesus for the week. And then we like to create space at the end to be able to pray for one another and just try to make that a more intense and focused time instead of just like, oh, yeah, pray for the person on your left. Like if anybody has a really intense burden going on that week to make sure that we have time to wrap them in Christ love.
3: Okay, Bill, you go. Yes, thank you. Spiritual formation groups. Um, Josh and I are going to be leading here on Wednesday nights. We're going to do dinner at 6.30, and then we will be breaking into groups. Josh, do you know where your focus is? Yeah. So
2: my idea is initial steps to carving out a path to a discipleship style of life. So it will be for people who are like, the suppership's not really ever been a thing for me. What does that even look like to get into? And it will start with kind of naming where you are in your apprenticeship to Jesus, and there's some good resources around that, or where you are with it. What are you actually involved in? What's forming you? And it will travel along and help create a path for each person that gets involved. So. Great.
3: And I'm going to be focusing on Sabbath and what that is and how you engage in that and what that looks like in our, in our daily lives as well as Sundays. Um, So that's where I will focus. The next group is the women's midweek Bible study, Brittany. She's in the back, so y'all can turn around.
6: (laughs) Um, We will meet Tuesday mornings here, downstairs. Um, Bible study has been going on for a couple years now, and so it's just setting time aside together to get in the Word, but also we use it as a tool to form community not just limiting to the weeks of the study. So it's a video study. There is childcare, and yeah. What study are you doing? Oh, it's called Rhythms of Renewal by Rebecca Lyons. Um, And you can see me to make sure you get the correct book, but it's on Amazon. Great,
3: thanks. And then we have Jessica. I'll let you share what your focus is going to be.
1: We're meeting on the uh, first and third Sunday mornings before church starts down in the table. And really we're just, a lot of what everyone is saying, maybe this is just across the board right now, just talking about the steps. We get so busy, the steps that God lays out, whether it's repentance or forgiveness or worship that just lead us and draw us closer to him no matter where we are in our journey.
3: And the last group is kind of our special interest groups. Bill, do you want to share about Alpha?
7: So Alpha is a introduction to the Christian faith. It's, um, we do it downstairs at the table on Wednesday nights at 6.30. It starts February 26th. Um, we provide a meal. We watch a video. We talk around tables about the video's topic that night. Um... We, t- for the meals, um, I, I have a sign-up here for folks who want to volunteer and provide some meals. Um, just a, one, one a week um, would be great. Um, I need greeters, table hosts, table helpers, but I also need you guys to invite people to come. Um, those, those folks in your life who um, ask you a lot of questions about why you go to church, about your, your spiritual journey. Um, people you know who have had a hard time in church and um, may want to get back into it. Um, This is a great opportunity. It's a um, super non-confrontational opportunity for folks to come around and ask their questions, all their hard questions, all their angry questions. Um, So that starts February 26th, uh, Wednesday night, downstairs at the table at 6.30. Perfect.
3: Rachel Chapman.
6: So I have mom's group at my house, and we meet in my house on uh, Wednesday mornings in West Cobb. We let the kids play, and then the moms have coffee and conversation. It gets a little chaotic, but in the best way possible. Um, But it's been really sweet just to see not only the moms connect, but the kids have some um, close friendships as well.
3: Great, and last but not least. Emily and Mariah
8: so our group is called New Hope and it is focused about recovery and mental health Uh, it's super important Uh, mental health uh, it's kind of like we see somebody that's sick a broken arm we open the door because we can see it mental health is a little different you don't see it so sometimes we forget about it, and it's real. So we kind of help uh, just be a community. We check in. Um, we uh, help find hope through God. You know, um, When you're sad, you're lonely, we want to be that, that group that you can depend on. Um, we'll give you our number, meet up with you. Um, because you're never alone. And that's what we're about.
3: Thank you. So
8: it is
3: our dream to see each one of these group as a place where people can be real about what's going on in their lives. They can share their successes, their failures, their struggles, their dreams, their hopes, their fears, and um, that through the common bond of Jesus, that these groups will encourage each other and challenge each other. That that's it's both, right? You need both in your life it's encouragement and challenge. And that through those, that they'll grow into a deeper relationship with God together. Um, we want these groups to embody our church values of um, living in community I mean, living in love, community transformation, um, creating space, and spiritual formation. All All of that can be done in community through small groups. And um, so when you commit to a small group for a season, you're committing to engaging in that.
5: Thanks, Jessica. Um,
2: So we're going to, if you guys will stand with me really quickly. We're going to end with just a moment of reflection. Um, If you are scheduled to come up here on stage, go ahead and do that. Um, And I'm going to prompt you with a few questions. We're going to also have... Availability for any of the group leaders to just be talked to after. If you'd like to sign up here, you could. You can go ask them more about what's happening. But I I just want to prompt you with these three things today as you kind of end this day and go into this space again with the posture of honesty. Do you feel lonely? If you do, I would ask that you allow the prayer of Psalm 68, 6 to become a prayer for you today. God settles the solitary into a home. Number two, did you feel one of these hindrances to community specifically pricking your heart? Individualism, idealism, intimidation. Be honest with it. Don't indict yourself, just be honest and pray about it. Number three, is there a specific group you should ask about or join? List it, write it down, or talk with them in service today. I'm going to pray when they finish this song, you can go talk to people in the groups. So Jesus, as we enter this space of reflection that many of us will want to rush through, help it to be an opportunity to make war against busy and to sit for a moment and to allow you space to look at the things in our hearts. Are we lonely? Is there a wall? Have you provided what we've been praying for today in one of these groups?